I'm a science teacher uh, for the Rochester City Schools. Uh, I'm, as Lewis said, I, I'm part of the church family here. Um, I'm a husband and a dad, and uh, so I think Henry fell asleep already, so hopefully that's not telling something about, maybe he knows, he knows what you're So today we're going to talk about uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to look at it in a little bit of a different way, uh, but let's begin together, let's put the verse up on the screen, and uh, as we're able, why don't we read this together, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Uh, forbearance is like patience. Uh, apparently the NIV actually uses a weird word for that. But. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as I started to think about this today, uh, I was thinking about it from just the standpoint of if you're a gardener, right? Uh, if you try to plant something so that it'll grow, so that you can eat it, you know that uh, some plants are going to like different areas better than others. Uh, if you maybe if you've ever planted it, anyone here ever planted something before? You put some seeds in the ground, you try to. Yeah, all right, and I see some heads shaking like, man, and it did not work out. Uh, yeah, it's, it can be actually be kind of tricky. Plants can be a little picky about where they're going to grow. Uh, you would think, oh, you know, it's no big deal. Plants, they just need uh, some sun and some uh, water and maybe some soil. There we go. We've got it. We're going to have plants. But turns out, like, you know, uh, like a lemon tree, man, that's not going to work out in Rochester, New York, right? Uh, coconut trees, no. Uh, and, and then even more, you know, maybe more specifically, like, uh, it matters the amount of sunshine that those plants are going to get. Some plants want all the sun, some plants want just a little bit of sun, right? So, what about the fruit of the Spirit? Where does the fruit of the Spirit grow? That's what we want to um, kind of look at today. Where, where does the fruit of the Spirit grow? And, and we don't want it just to grow. Because, like, last summer I grew some tomato plants, and I was all like, hmm, I'm so happy for this. I love these little, the little ones, you know? And uh, I got, like, three of them. So we don't want just the fruit to grow. We want it to produce good fruit and lots of it, right? So our question today, our first fill-in uh, on your fill-in sheet is, we want to answer this. Where does the fruit of the Spirit grow best? Where does the fruit of the Spirit grow best? And, uh... We're going to take a wild guess here that God's going to know the answer to that one. He's going to know where the fruit of the Spirit grows us. So, uh, you know how sometimes you're having a thought like here, and then another thought over here, right? And then they start to like, oh, they start to make sense together. So last week at Bible study, uh, and you guys are all welcome to come. We have Thursday night Bible studies at our house. It's a pretty good time overall. Um, we were looking at the story in Luke 4 where Jesus is tempted, right? And an interesting thing about how that story starts, it says this, Jesus, you know, like you'd think like, you know, if you're being tempted, right? It's going to be like the worst day, you know, like that day where you're like, I don't even remember who God is, I feel so far from him. It says this, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, is led by the Spirit out into the wilderness 
to be tempted by the devil. Amen. That's not really what I expected. You know, you think like God would maybe be like, oh, the devil's over there. We're going to lead you. Right? But God has a plan. Uh, so this is going to get me wondering, like, you know, what, what's going on here, though? Like, why would God lead by his spirit? Why would he lead you out into the wilderness for a bad time? Why would he do that? So the story of Luke 4, though, is kind of short. And, and it didn't really answer all my questions. So I started to wonder, uh, are there any other stories in the Bible about people being out in the wilderness? Uh Jesus was out in the wilderness for 40 days. Anyone think of maybe a really large group of people that were out in the wilderness for like 40 years? The Israelites, right? Yeah, the Israelites. So let's let's pick up with the story of the Israelites today. And let's think about, uh, we're going to answer two questions. We want to know, how did they end up in the wilderness? Like, did they get lost? Was it a Google Maps thing? Right? What? Wilderness. Oh, man. Right? How did they end up in the wilderness? And what was the point? Like, why are they there? Why, why, why are you spending 40 years in a dry, harsh environment with no water and no food? I mean, it doesn't sound very good. It doesn't sound good at all. So we want to answer those questions today. So to do that, we're gonna we're gonna back up just a little bit. We need to we need to understand where that story is beginning. And it begins like this: the children of Israel, they've been slaves for. A while, 400 years. They were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And then God worked by his mighty power to set not just like one of them free, not just like one of them being like, woo, I'm getting out of here. No, all of them. The whole nation was in slavery and the whole nation was free. And so we, we pick up with the story today and the children of Israel, they're free Right? They're free from the land of slavery, from the Egyptians, and they're going along, and it uh, says that God leads them down to the shore of the Red Sea. And as they're there at the shore of the Red Sea, they look up behind them, and they see that the Egyptian army, the most powerful army in the world at the time, with chariots and horsemen, is pursuing them. It's coming after them, because Pharaoh, in his hard heart, in his pride, said, you know what, never mind, I don't want to let those people go. And the children of Israel began to panic. Because on one side they have an enemy. And there's no way they can stand against that enemy. And on the other side they have the Red Sea. But the Red Sea is no way of escape. Right? There's no way you're swimming across a sea to get away from these people. The Red Sea meant for them certain death. And so on the one side the children of Israel, they have the enemy. And on the other side they have death. And there was no way of escape. And instantly they start to panic. And they question God and they, they cry out to him accusatorily. They're like, like God, really? You brought us all the way out here? You set us free just so you could kill us out here in the middle of nowhere? Thanks a lot, man. That's my paraphrase. And God says this when he says, Stand still and see the salvation that I will work for you today. And so it says this, it says that God sends the angel of God to stand between the Israelites and the enemy. The angel of God goes and stands between them and blocks the path with a cloud of darkness to the Egyptians and of light to the Israelites. 
And then God sends a strong east wind. He says, this is all part of my plan. He sends this wind and it hits the waters and it separates the waters. So that on this side there's a wall of water and on this side there's another wall. And the Israelites go through what was certain death. There was no way they were surviving that Red Sea, right? I mean, they might have started to start swimming, but there was no way they were making it across. But what was certain death, God makes a way through it to life. And so the Israelites, they pass through, and they end up on the other side. But then the Egyptians see them. And in this is really, I mean, the Egyptians must have been blind with rage. They decide to follow the Israelites through. They pursue them with a wall of water on the left and on the right. And when they're in the middle, God causes the waters to close over them. And the enemy is destroyed. And so we find this, that the Egyptians, how did the Israelites end up in the wilderness? Your next villain is this. God rescued them from the enemy and death. There was no way they were going to beat that enemy. There was no way that that enemy was, that the Egyptians, that they could have fought them and, and, and won. And there was no way that they could have made it through the Red Sea. But God rescued them from certain death. So, how did the Israelites end up in the wilderness? God brought them, your next one is, God brought them from death to a place of life. And it would kind of make sense, right? I mean, hey, that was a pretty cool story, right? I mean, that's pretty exciting. Like, when's the last time that happened to any of us here? Right? Oh, man, it's an army. Right? This is pretty exciting. And so you would think that such an exciting story of great power and might like that, of a God who could rescue you from an impossible situation, you would think that uh, it might end with something uh, like, and they lived happily ever after. And God brought them to the other side, and the other side was really nice. It was actually a resort, and they just hung out and lived out their days, right? But this is what happens. They get to the other side, and initially the people are happy, and they praise God, and then they start to look around, and they're like, God, you do realize this is the middle of nowhere. This is the, the wilderness, God. You know what the wilderness is? It's hot, it's dry, there's no food, and we don't even have any water. And they start to question God and to complain against Him and to, to doubt whether He really is a good provider. They start to wonder if He really knew what He was doing. But you see, God had a plan, right? I mean, the same God who can rescue us from the hand of enemy and death, that same God, uh, we can trust him that he has a plan even in the wilderness. So he tells the Israelites that this is the plan. And that for the next 40 years, for 40 years, oh, that's a long time, 40 years, right? 40 years in the desert. 40 years in the wilderness. And at the end of those 40 years, when the children of Israel are finally ready, they're finally going to go into the promised land. God tells them this. He says, this is why I brought you out here. So that you might know the Lord your God. So that you might learn to trust me. 
so that you might know that I provide and nothing else. See, God didn't want them to just know him. God didn't want the Israelites to just know him as that superhero savior God who can rescue them out of a bad situation like, oh no, this isn't good. God, I need you now. Right? God wanted them to know him as the God who is gracious, who is merciful, who is slow to anger, who is abounding in steadfast love, who is holy and won't accept it when we do wrong, who is just, who is forgiving. God wanted the Israelites to know not just like one little part of him. God wanted to, for the Israelites to know him So this, we find this, that why were the Israelites in the wilderness? God brought them to the wilderness on purpose. You see, I'm going to tie this back into us a little bit. Tie this back into what God has done. We may have already made some of the connections, right? Jesus, he stood in the gap for us, didn't he? When we were surrounded by the enemy and there was no way of escape, on the one side is the enemy and on the other side is death, there was no way we were getting out of there. And some of you, like me, you can relate. There was a time in your life when there was no escape. But Jesus steps in and he does what no one else can do. And he is falsely accused and he is beaten and he is mocked. He's spit on, he is nailed to a cross, and that looks pretty bad, doesn't it? But when the moment seemed darkest, right, just like for the Israelites, when they are surrounded and there's an enemy on the one side and there's death on the other, God makes a way through that to the other side. Jesus Christ, he died for us, but he did not remain dead. And this morning we rejoice because we have hope that no matter what we are facing, no matter what it is, Jesus, he was dead and he is alive. Right? And he gives us that hope today. So that even if today, if you say, I am in the wilderness, and man, I have been there a long time, life has not been easy. There's a poem that says this, life ain't been no crystal stair. It's been a long, hard journey. Even then, we have hope because we have a God who went before us. We have a God who has done the impossible. And we have a God that we can trust that he has a plan in what he's doing. And, you know, the, the Israelites, when they were back up against the sea there, they were like, God, oh, oh man, what, what are you doing, right? Like, uh, why didn't you just like let us stay as slaves? That would have been better, right? Uh, but God wasn't thrown off guard. This wasn't, when God blocked the Egyptians with the angel of uh, the Lord and, and parted the Red Sea. This wasn't like a, oh man, like, I don't know what to do. Let's just throw something together and I hope it works. No, this was the plan all along. So we have a God that we can trust that he's not just making it up as he goes along. We have a God who has a purpose with what he is. We have a God who has a purpose in what he is doing. And so, our last feeling today is this. It says this, because out in the wilderness, why were the Israelites in the wilderness? 
because out in the wilderness is where the fruit of the Spirit grows best. We read this morning that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, how can you truly know how to love until you have been met with something unlovable? We read that it is joy. But how can you know if you have a joy that's unshakable unless you've been in a situation that causes you deep pain? How can you know patience? I mean, patience, right? I get frustrated when my videos on YouTube are buffering, right? I'm like, man, what is this? I pay, what's that student company Spectrum? A lot of money. I don't want no buffering, right? How can we know patience unless we have to wait? How can we know the peace of God except for if the plans that you have, right, those plans that you have, this is the way life is going to work, unless something upsets those plans. How can we know what peace really is? So we find this, that God brings us out to the wilderness for a reason. Right, Zoe? <laughs> he brings us out to the wilderness for a reason, doesn't he? And he knows this. He knows that the fruit of the Spirit will grow best in the wilderness. We have a good God. And this morning we can be reminded that we can trust Him. We can trust Him because He has never failed us. We can trust Him because He makes a way when there is no way. We can trust Him because He has a plan. He's never caught off guard. This morning, let's just be reminded. Let's be reminded that we can trust God, even in the wilderness, because He knows that the fruit of His Spirit will grow best through hard times. So this week, I'm a teacher, so you're all getting homework. Thank you. 